Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, the weekly spin-off podcast, which initially began as some sort of way to cope with lockdown and to run parallel to Season 5 of Loose Units. And now that Season 5 of Loose Units is donezo, this... I mean, look, it could be the last episode of Loose Ends, but it's not. Don't worry, Dad. Uh, and the dad I'm referring to is my dad, John Verhoeven. Dad, how are you this morning? Paul, I'm bloody marvellous. I'm, um, I've already... I've just stopped. I've done so many things already today. And I have a massive day ahead of me. We've obviously got uh, a new season coming out soon. So, mm. not next week, but the next week. So... Next week is going to be kind of an odd one for us in that we're kind of taking the week off. Mm. Uh, we're just, you know, we're going to kind of be building up and planning and getting things ready for season six of Loose Units. Mm. And at some point next week, we will be dropping a announcement as to what the next season is. I know we're being very cryptic about this, but it, it requires a lot of kind of, you know, a lot of pieces in the background being moved around. So we're obviously mm. trying to keep things pretty pretty much on the download just to build a sense of anticipation but you're excited aren't you dad well i'm excited that's my default mode yeah it is i'm in fact i was doing a hanging i did three hanging jobs yesterday yeah and the third job i did that i just squeezed in at the end of the day Mm. i was ranting and raving i mean i wasn't caffeined up i was just my normal self but i was i was pumped and then i began to realize that i was speaking so quickly I don't even know whether the clients actually had any grasp of what I was saying. Right. Suffice to say that they were very happy with the job I did. Yeah, you, you, yep, yeah, you're a lot. Uh, I, I, in fact, I did say to them, I actually find it quite staggering. Sometimes I actually do take a step back and, and think about how Christine has managed to live with me for 39 years. Is she in the room right now? No, she's up, up the road. I don't know if listeners will know this, but. I would say, what, two-thirds of the time when you record the show, she's just sitting in the room Correct. quietly. Yeah. yeah, behind me. Do you think that changes the things you say, no. whether she is or isn't there? Nah. Okay. No, nah, I'm cool. Um, but, Paul, something yeah. a little bit exciting that I haven't told you. Yeah, yeah. I had a dream last night. Oh, boy. Yeah. No, no, this, you're going to love this. Yeah. This is so wonderful, but, yeah. but totally freaky. And it's going to totally blow you away. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. This is like a dream come true for you. You and I yeah. were private investigators. Okay. Uh, give us some details. Mate, it was so... It was so... You, 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 you operated on a level 
as as being a private investigator. Like, for example, we went to this really weird house, a two-story house, and I could see the occupants inside. There was a girl sitting down in the lounge and watching TV. We were following her father, who was some international spy. <laughs> and you know what you did? You walked what? up to this huge, massive, heavy door, and the door was slightly ajar. And you just walked in. And you started talking to the girl... And I sort of stood back and thought, this is not the way private investigators work. However, you were so convincing that the girl told you where her father's office was. And then I kind of came in behind you feeling a little bit, not dejected, but I guess I was impressed with your technique. You convinced this girl that we were friends of the family. Right. We go upstairs and there was a small old-fashioned TV in the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. And the TV was on. And what we saw on the TV was actually the person that we were after. And he was in the TV looking at us. And then all of a sudden... You and I were running through this, like, haunted forest and the TV was chasing us. What the fuck? No, it was horrendous. And then all of a sudden we ended up in this massive, like, a terminal and he reappeared, but he would, we'd look and sort of try and find out where he was and we'd see him and he'd be standing behind various people and as we went over to sort of, reach out and not grab him, but just sort of get close to him, mm. he would vanish. And then as the people moved away, there was just a puddle of water. And then all of a sudden, you looked back at me and I was standing on top of this TV and I started to get pulled down into the TV. <sighs> How heavy is that? I have to ask, uh, had you been eating cheese before you went to bed? Um... It's pretty vivid. Do you think cheese does that to you? Apparently, look, apparently cheese before bed or, you know, like eating lots of cheese does mm. affect your dreams. I mean, cheese dreams is a kind of... It's, I've it's never heard that before. I know I know with spicy food you can, you can dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, look, here's what I will say. First of all, did you recognize the guy in the TV? Um, no, but I kind of... Well, you know how going back to that cameo thing... Yeah. He's a very famous actor, like world famous actor. He's he's really famous. I just can't recall his name. Right. Uh, but he's the guy that was in the TV. Similar looking. Hang on. So there was a famous actor who was... Well, he looked like a famous actor. Okay. I mean, here's what I would say. If I was to psychoanalyze, I would say working in partnership with your son has been a very confusing experience. Mm-hmm. Um there's all kinds of odd feelings uh, around that. But also, the fact that you got sucked into the TV could be some sort of, maybe like a subliminal fear you have of somebody else playing you in a potential TV show, if that would ever happen. Mm. Um, you know, it, It's fascinating. And look, you know, there was this, there are certain cliched things about dreams, Paul. Yeah. Um, one of them is driving up a very narrow road that gets narrower and narrower. Oh, I've never had that. I mean, I don't drive, so I've never had that dream. No, but you could be a passenger. 
Uh, no, but I've still never had that dream. My teeth break in dreams all the time. <clears throat> Apparently, that's meaningful. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, like I, I'll I'll get them caught on each other and then try and free them and they'll all shatter in my mouth. Uh, and it's that's, bad. It's bad. That's terrible. You know that I used to have the dreams when I was a young boy pretty well every night. I used to hate going to sleep. Mm. They were so... In fact, if I think about them now... I can think about them sort of objectively, but I know that when I was four and five years old, I was I was terrified, and I know that I used to have night terrors. Did you know that, Paul? No. Mm. This seems like useful information, given that you sent me to a child psychologist because I was having such bad nightmares. At no point did... I mean, if you had said to him, oh, I had the exact same thing, you know, at his age, I'm sure that would have mm. triggered some sort of conversation, but what yeah, were yours right, about? But, well, I, mine were about massive... Um, all-encompassing gargantuan letters of the alphabet that were smothering me. Right, right. Really, really horrendous. And my grandmother in Armidale had a small 1960s metal waste paper basket in the bathroom, and it had a beautiful French black and white painting on it of the Eiffel Tower. And when I used to go to bed... I used to imagine, and, and bearing in mind that I was, well, I was under five. Yeah. Um, I know that I had a very fertile imagination from, from as early as I can possibly remember, but I used to dread starting to just doze off and then all of a sudden I'd find myself precariously balanced on a tiny wooden chair on top of the Eiffel Tower, just balancing. And that was a regular fucking nightmare. Really? Hmm. When? When? So, hang on. Well, That's... when I was living with my grandmother. Right, right. Like, right. with my family, because mm. we'd just moved to Armadale, and mum and dad were looking for a house, so we stayed with my grandmother for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. So, I was, I guess I was between the ages of, say, let's say between the ages of maybe two and five. So, really, really young. So, I had this weird thing about, I mean, if you were to analyse that particular sequence um it's just but the the other one about being smothered by huge like 10 foot high kind of rubbery letters of the alphabet just literally all wrapping themselves around me and crushing me till i couldn't breathe did you have trouble learning to read when you were younger um i'm not sure did grandma because grandma because okay your mum my grandma taught me to read basically I, i was i was functionally illiterate when i was in year one and she was an English teacher at Chroma Primary where I was going and she would basically haul me in after after hours and mm. kind of drilled me and got mm. and you know taught me to read. Mm. So I guess what I'm saying is at some point when you were younger, did she do that to you and did that sort of scar you a little bit? Was she pushing you to read more like beyond your it's limits? It's a really or? good question, Paul, and that's something that I would need to ask her. But I also know that being the first born Yeah. Um and when I was born we like, I was born at the Marta Hospital, um, and we moved to a place called Willala. And I don't think I've ever met a person that knows Willala. And then I go, oh, it's near Bogabri, near Gunnada, that's sort of in that area. But basically, if you can imagine a massive, I guess, sheep farm out in the west with a one man school. Yeah. And my dad was the teacher there, and there are photographs of you know, the eight or ten kids and they'd line up and they'd raise the flag, etc. Now, I was two, three years old 
And my mother tells me that <clears throat> it was a very sort of traumatic time in her life. She she hated it. She was miserable. She was lonely. The summer's out there, no air conditioning. And she would play classical music to me all the time. Yeah. And I believe that that had a very strong influence on sort of subconsciously. Um, and that's why I think it's so incredibly important for parents to, you know, realise that these very early, early years are very formative. And I I can only imagine, I know that my mother also read to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I will ask her about the the reading. I don't know whether I was a, you know, a sort of an early or late reader or or what, but um, I remember when I went to St. Mary's, the girls' school, mm. um, I was with the first class of boys there. I remember I just had the best time. Here's a question. When in loose units, there is a point where there is a prisoner who your dad taught mm who was queuing up and getting ready to go to jail and you had a talk with him regarding mm. a prisoner who kicked mum in the stomach. Mm. Now, what school did that prisoner go to? Where was he taught by your dad? Was okay. it this country school? No, no, that was in um, a school called Curl Curl Primary School. Uh-huh. Now, Curl Curl Primary School, the, the funny thing about um, suburbs, and we all know this and everyone knows what I'm about to say, and that is that as time goes by, suburbs change. They get gentrified, right? Correct. Yeah. Now, when mum and dad moved to Sydney in 1967, they were staying with an aunt in Chatswood, which is, was, always has been, and probably always will be, um an expensive affluent suburb on the lower north shore of Sydney. But the dream for my parents was to live near the ocean. And there is a suburb called Curl Curl, but back in the 1960s, it was regarded as, dare I say it, low class. That's just a statement of fact. Fibro houses, it had an open tip, where they used to burn refuse, and the schools in that area were super tough. I mean, they were actually almost, I dare say, scary to go to. It, it was sort of, there were gangs, it was just, oh, it was really, really heavy. And my parents had the option, and they chose a suburb called Beacon Hill, which was sort of up, and it was regarded at the time as quite a salubrious suburb. But having said that, as time has gone, sort of moved on, the tip closes, you know, suburbs change. And now Curl Curl is one of the most affluent suburbs on the northern beaches. Um, and yes, Beacon Hill's sort of, it's okay. But And there may be people that sort of will, will react to what I'm saying. But Curl Curl Primary School in the 1960s. And imagine I started there, um, I was there the year of the moon landing. Okay, and they had a little black and white TV in every classroom, and you know the the the, the, the soccer oval, which was sort of the field, which was the sort of the playground, was sandy. It had tufts of grass. It was, and it was just another time. It was um, 
It was bizarre. And our classroom, or most of the classrooms, were demountables. And and remember, there was no air conditioning. So in summer, it was like being inside an oven. And my dad taught, he taught sixth class. So these are the boys and girls that were going to go on to high school. The boys would go to a school called Manly Boys High School. And they used to have muck-up days. Did they do that when you were at school? Yeah, they filled a toilet with concrete at one point. Oh, okay. But, but back in... Back in the day, for example, one of the science teachers at Manly Boys High School had a mini miner, a tiny little car. They manhandled the car up the stairs and put it on the top floor and then they welded the doors shut. <laughs> like that's an example of muck-up day. It was out of control. And because my father was a really tough teacher, um, he on muck-up days, could not drive home past the high school for fear of having an encounter with his ex-students. Having said that, there was actually a lot of sort of love towards my dad in that he was very much into creating and setting up the soccer team for the school. But he taught some really some tough guys and one of them was the guy that, you know, we had that encounter with at the back of North Sydney Police Station years yeah. later. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, yeah. I didn't realize you went to um, the school where your dad taught. Mm, I was there for a year and... Did, he, was, did he teach you? No, he. I was in um, third class. Okay. He was teaching sixth class. But my father... Um, so, this is going to sound odd, listeners, but at that school that I went to, Next to the blackboard 
was a storeroom and you'd keep sort of um, pencils, you know, books, chalk, all the sort of little... It was like a storeroom for each teacher and it was obviously a lockable room. And now my dad was a chronic migraine sufferer and... That's again, that, again, that is very useful information for me. He was, he was, he, <clears throat> the first time I ever saw my father cry, which, uh, which is quite a, it's a, it's a big thing for a kid to see without sounding, I'm just going to say it. It's more unusual perhaps to see a man cry, although you kids know that I cry at the drop of a hat, but. <laughs> You know, a lot of men just don't cry. And my father, I had never ever seen my <clears throat> my dad cry. And I came into the bedroom. We were in Beacon Hill, and he was on the side of sitting on the side of his bed with his with his head between his, um, you know, just sort of hands either side of his head. And he was he was he was crying. He was, and the reason he was crying, Paul, is that he was in such pain. He was literally, he was in agony. And my dad had had migraines that had last for days. And then I remember that day I would have been eight years old. And I remember my mother took me out of the room because it's very, it was so traumatic to see because you just have this sort of thing about your dad. It's like, God, just, just to, to know that they're vulnerable. And um, my mother told me that that's the second time in my dad's life that he cried and I said okay well what was the first time and he and mum said when his brother died so dad would have been maybe 11 and his brother um Arnoldus my uncle that I never got to meet he died of Hodgkin's lymphoma um and and died a, a rotten bloody death um so yeah so the migraine thing was um was pretty heavy but my dad got a migraine one day at school but what what was is sort of unusual about that is that there was a particular guy in the class who was he was a bit of a sort of a, a dad thought that he was not such a nice guy apparently this guy um because they used to have class bibles which again sounds odd particularly for a uh, you know a sort of a state school but this particular student sort of wrote some pretty sort of blasphemous stuff in the Bible, which my father was really upset about. So what my dad did is he put him in the storeroom, which is like sort of going to the back of the classroom and putting your head in the corner. I know that that doesn't happen now. Oh, God. But when I went to school, for example, in the 60s, if you were naughty, one thing that like a punishment would be to go to the back of the classroom and stand facing the corner. Have you ever... Have you heard of that sort of thing happening? Look, I've, I've heard of it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that used to happen. That was a bit of a regular occurrence. So my dad sends this boy into the storeroom at Curl Curl Primary School. And I, and, and I remember the guy because here's the weird thing, listeners. I ended up working with him as a professional firefighter years later at Manly Fire Station. Weird. How weird's that? And I don't want the listeners to think worse of me, but he had very bad acne scars. And his nickname in the fire brigade was Crumpet. Does that sound terrible? That's dreadful. Yeah. So what my dad did, he sensed he had a bad migraine coming on. It was around midday. 
Dad just pulled the door closed, which locked the door. He'd totally forgotten that he'd locked this particular student who was now locked in the storeroom and my dad had the only key. Oh, God. And dad went home and is in a, a torturous, sort of crippling, painful state. And, of course, this boy is locked in a storeroom, which even back then looked pretty bad on many levels. And he's banging and banging the door and no one could open it. They realised that my dad had the only key. And in those days, look, can you imagine? It was landlines. Someone had to make the laborious drive up to Beacon Hill, get the key, come back down, unlock the storeroom. So my dad's reputation, there were some people in the class, Dad told me, that secretly were, were really happy that this had happened. And, of course, others, including the parents, were, were appalled. And my father had a very strong... Um, he was a member of Amnesty International back in the 60s, the 70s. He's always He had always had a very strong sense of social justice. And he was very much into the environment. And one of his classic uh, punishments for children in his class, and it used to happen a lot back in the 60s, a teacher would say, if you did something wrong, they'd say, go out and pick up 20 papers. Did, did that ever happen to you? Uh, yeah, picking up litter. Yeah. And if you were really smart, like I was, I'd just get one piece of paper and tear it into 20 pieces. <laughs> that was one of my little tricks. But one day when my father was going for a promotion with the Department of Education, and they used to have inspectors, I don't know whether they still do, the inspector came and they'd sort of have an impromptu... Uh, visit where they just walk, pop in to dad just to see how he was teaching and there were three or four students in the class and the inspector says to my father where is everyone and dad just pointed out into the field into the oval and most of his class were out picking up papers during school hours so that's how dad dealt with um you know naughty students but the student that he you know, that he taught that ended up being a criminal that you talked to. Mm. Uh, how did they kind of interact? What, what year was he? He was a year six student. Yeah, at, at oh, they, 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 a lot of the guys really, and the girls actually loved dad. He was a very, very good teacher when he mm. was there, not suffering from migraines. But dad was instrumental in setting up the school soccer team. And, and that sort of created an amazing sort of sense of, uh, yeah, almost, I don't know whether I'd say love, although some of the the students I know were very, very fond of my dad. Mm. Um, yeah, isn't it? life's a funny thing, Paul. <sighs> yeah, it's odd. I mean, first of all, I've been suffering from, you know, uh, migraine headaches every single week since I was about 17, um, sometimes multiple headaches. I've mm. been to optometrists, chiropractors, neurologists, dentists, allergy experts literally anyone who we think could help i've we've dad it's been an ongoing saga if i'd known that my grandfather suffered from migraines that would have probably helped that's really interesting yeah. um well you your get... your my my sister diane does as well right okay like chronic okay. um and i'm i'm so look i guess um something that not many people know <clears throat> obviously but what happened to my father is um, that he became addicted to Valium. 
um, because that was that was the painkiller of choice, right? Back in the sixties and seventies, and it completely destroyed his his liver. So in later life, when he needed a hip replacement, his liver was working at ten percent, and they couldn't do it. Um, so he, you know, he was unable to get the the hip replacement, and he was in agony for many many years. So I guess, look, it's 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 complicated. Um, I occasionally get a headache, but and headaches are rotten. They're rotten, and I'm, you know, I, I empathise and you know feel sorry for anybody that does, you know, get a headache. They're they're shit. Yeah, these things have been incapacitating me for. Mm. Like I said, I was seventeen when I first started getting them. Uh, I was, I was doing the. It was around the time of my exams and you, I think mum sent me to an osteopath mm. to kind of get my back checked out. We think it's partly postural. I'm not sure, but I just find it interesting that, you know, um, first of all, I didn't know that about grandpa. That's mm. really useful information because mm. dumping painkillers is a short-term fix, but if it ends up frying your no. insides to the point where you can't, you know. Terrible. In later oh life. Jeez. I mean... Yeah, you've really got to look after your number one asset, Paul. I know I say that a lot, but, you know, look, your mental health's so important, but so is your physical health because they, they interact. And um, yeah. Speaking of which, I, um, I, I, think, I think you know this, but uh, as everyone knows, I started karate during lockdown because I, my ADHD kind of really flared up and I thought, yeah, okay, karate. Uh, and then after about three or four months, I... I uh, went for my grading and I skipped a grade and ended up in yellow belt. And uh, I just the other day, I think like three days ago, met up with my sensei in the park and we did a Zoom grading with all the, all the other senseis around the place and they were dialing in and I graded again and got to orange belt. So I've just jumped up to to orange belt, which is great. Paul, but mate, so good. It's lovely. But yeah, the <laughs> part of me just got to, all right, I'm, about, I'm turning 40 in two years. I cannot be physically you know, ruined at that point, and I can't keep taking painkillers for these headaches. I need to fix the, the kind of casing around this stupid yeah. brain of mine. So, mm. uh, the, the you know, the exercise has been really helpful. It's mm. it's been one of the things that's actually helped me get, get through lockdown. Honestly, mm. it's mm. really helped. No, that's great, Paul. But also, um, look, I a few days ago had one of the worst headaches I've had in a long time, mm. and it was a combination of things that caused it. Um, I've been doing a lot of research. I was desperate to get this. I guess I can talk about it now, but I couldn't talk about it for a few days because I was so upset. But I look, you know what it's like, Paul. We tend to focus on things and become very single-minded. Mm-hmm. And there was a particular uh, rare Buddha that was being sold at an auction in Sydney. Now, I only, of course, I kept this to myself, but I found another example pretty well identical and it's in the Metropolitan Museum in New York. So that's the level we're talking. And I'd organized to do telephone bidding. So the auction house called me and I kept going and going and going. And it was just me and another person that I've since found out is in China. And the two of us were going hammer and tongs and it was very stressful. And I lost and I was devastated. I I didn't get the Buddha. And, you know, you can sort of theorize how far would this other person have gone? And the other person may have just kept going and going and money didn't mean anything to them. I mean, money, you know, I'm very prudent and I kind of, 
you know, like Dirty Harry said, a man has to know his limitations. I think but maybe, if, but maybe if you'd hung in there a little bit longer, I know, but you don't know. <laughs> no, I'm know? saying that's that's the thought that you. I know, and I and I flagellated, and and I was I was so upset, and I'd been hunched over for two hours watching this auction for my lot to come up, and it was an unusual sort of stance that I'd a po- sort of a posture that I'd adopted. Yeah, but there was that emotional. I I, I had put so much into this emotionally i just do you know what i was so i was so upset when i missed out that i okay listeners get ready for this i'm really being very honest with you all there were a couple of items that came up a bit later in the auction and i was so crazy and so angry on so many levels that i bought these other two items and i just went crazy i lost the plot I didn't even really want or need these other two items, but on principle, I just had to beat whoever, and I ended up with these two things. Oh, it's just, and then I started to flagellate and think, what, what was I thinking? And it's just madness. And it took me anyway. What happened was, in a nutshell, I d- I just got the most terrible headache, and I I was I was ill, and I was popping pills like they were going out of style. That day I had, and I don't take painkillers. That day I took six painkillers. They did which, nothing. Which painkillers? Oh, something or other in some packet. I mean, I did seek medical advice in brackets, Christine, right. MD. I mean, they weren't super strong things. I mean, they're not nothing heavy, like your normal sort of, you know, whatever. No, no codeine or anything in them. No, right? no, no, no. But okay. just can't asp- not aspirin, but like ibuprofen. ibuprofen yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But, but, over many, many, many hours, but they were doing nothing, and I, I, I began to realise that it was a combination of my, my, my stature, yep, my posture, and my mental state. Yes, and I had driven myself into an insane. Basically, I was, I was so wrought with. Oh, I can no, at I least you. talk about it now. But well, what, what? No, what's interesting is whenever I talk to people, I kind of realise that the headaches that I get fucking constantly they can be caused by anything but it's usually a combination of posture um sometimes it's how i slept sometimes it's stress sometimes it's if it's too hot uh some you know what i mean like it just it just gets triggered by whatever i mean the neurologist i've seen five six times he's very high end and he's gone through and he's basically said look you have things that induce migraines so you don't just get like a migraine you have external factors that induce a migraine and it's really hard. I've had to adopt this weird holistic approach where I can't, I've got a standing desk now, for example, right? I, I mean, long story short, what I'm trying to say is that I can't imagine how I would have coped with a job like being in the emergency services because if stress is one of the things that kicks these things off and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm vulnerable to these. As, as sweet as it is that you would have a dream about me being a detective, right? And that's a, that's a great dream to have. I feel like, if we were on a stakeout and I was sitting there hunched over for a few hours, then I'd be like, oh, okay, I got to go. I've got a headache. Or, mm. you know, I mean, the amount of things, you know how scared I was, Dad, that on my wedding day I would have a headache and it would have, my mm. wedding day would have been ruined? I, yeah. That was a real concern between Tegan and I. I remember. If I, mm. if I woke up and said, oh, yep, shit, it's one of those days, then the mm. day would have been ruined and mm. there would have been nothing I could have done about it. Because no. there's no, most of the time, there's no nothing I can take that will actually fix it. I just sort of have to deal with it. And last week, I had one that lasted four days. I mean, the four days of Terrible. being in, in agony. Yep. 
and it was really tricky with TV. So I'd be, you know, on set. I remember we shot the kind of annual special over at ABC3 ABC for, it was called Smackdown, and all the different kind of characters from all the different kids' shows came across. And I was there as the Inquisitor from Steampunks, and it was great. I got a migraine that morning, and I was, I felt like I had an ice peak in my brain. If you go back and watch this thing, like my eyes are welling up because in every shot I was in agony. I can't imagine what being in in any of your career paths would have Mm. done to my head, you know? No. Look, I think that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units, Loose Ends. But, Dad, next week we are having a week off. Our first week off in, I think, like 90 weeks or something ridiculous. It's been a long, long time since we had a week off. But we will be dropping uh, an announcement on your podcast feed letting you know what Season 6 is going to be about. So make sure you keep your eyes on that because that's going to be where that news gets debuted. It's going to be a very, very big deal. We're going to spend the week researching and having a great time. And we'll be back with more Loose Units week after next. Please stay safe, everyone. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you real soon. Bye. Cheerio. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.